Godly people have gone on before us, haven't they? They're experiencing green pastures with Jesus as we speak, but I had tears of joy today. I, I didn't think that was going to move me like it did, and I bawled like a baby the first service. But I tried not to pay attention to the second service, but it didn't help. I still cried like a baby. But a lot of godly people went before us, and that's a, we wanted to honor them, uh, uh, the people that passed from this date last year until this date this year. And, and uh, if we've missed anybody, we're truly sorry we either made a mistake or uh, we didn't know about it but but if you call in and let us know when you've lost a loved one and and it's then we'll be glad to honor them next year as well um glad to be back uh yeah give the lord praise for that (laughs) i had had one happy person no i'm just kidding I was trying to avoid the birthday thing. I've, I've stuck on 49, just so you know. I, I'm not turning over to 50. And, and anyway, I just want to get that clear today, that I'll be 49 from this day forward, and, and it won't change. So anyhow, uh, thank you for all the cards and stuff. Uh, I do want to let you know, I, I've heard everything. I heard that, that they were transferred me, that I was in a different church, that that I was sick, that I had surgery. Um, I've heard it all, and none of those are true at all. I, I'm quite healthy. Uh, to be honest, I just needed a break to clear my head and, and get refocused, and, and that's what I did. And I spent a lot of time with the Lord just enjoying different things, and, and it's been a good time off, but still it's hard to be away from the body and, and those you care about. Um, it's just an honor to serve here. It's just even like the, the last gal you guys probably didn't know that, that passed at Oakton, Carthage. She was about my age or actually younger than me and had a family. And, and I had the privilege of, uh, oh, it's been two months ago, that, that she accepted Christ way back, and, and she joined the Oakton, Carthage Church, and I had the honor to pray with her and, and, and even stand with her during that time of having cancer and and battling that, and, and it's just an honor to, to be a part of Central and, and Carthage and, and even Golden City at that. As I looked at uh, Bob or Robert Townley, that, that he was the, the leader of that church or one of the strongest leaders of that church over there at Golden City and, and how he was very kind to us when we came in there and, and of course, all the others that were here at Central that you know. Um, but anyway, I'm going to get started. I'm babbling. And don't want to babble because this is God's time. I uh, do want to tell you to uh, to check the camps out. We got one summer camp coming up, and we got a bunch of kids signed up for that, and that's on Tuesdays. And the kids' camp was at your request. You guys said you wanted to have a children's camp at our vision meeting, and Aaron's done a great job to get this children's camp in here, and it's going to be a blowout. Uh, we'd like to tell you, I'd like to see about another 50 to 75 kids signed up for that, and they don't have to go to Oakton. And we kept the price down like everybody wanted for $25. Your kid can go to camp all week. And they're going to have an experience that, that they'll remember for eternity. And so the kids can't make sure and sign up for that. And then uh, you have the tribal uh, war camp that's coming up with our young youth. Uh, uh, doesn't look like it today. I don't know where they're all at today. But we've got more signed up uh, going to go to the lake than we have since I've been in the ministry. In other words, I usually wait to the last minute. And if they wait to the last minute 
and more come, we're going to have a big crowd. But I think to date we have 35 signed up, and that's not even counting Carthage, which is at least 15 more, and it's not even on us yet. So uh, lots of neat things coming up and an uh, opportunity for us to get our children involved. And, 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 and the only one that's of cost of those three, the, the big cost, is just one camp, and it's not that bad. So anyway, Acts 1, uh, 6 through 8, I told you guys, the Lord's really put it on my heart to preach out of Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And, and anyway, while you're looking there, I, I'm not apologizing, but, but I feel like I need to say something. Uh, we have trouble balancing the, the air, but go ahead and look for that scripture. But we have trouble balancing the air at Oakton, so it seems like we're ever either suffocating or we're freezing. And I just want to appreciate you guys of putting up with that. I would challenge you that it will probably start out cold in here. And so if you're cold, remember to bring a jacket. But we're trying to, to keep that balanced, and Walt's done a good job with that. But, but it's just something we're dealing with. And the other thing we're dealing with is getting the sound balanced and some different things. But, but please bear with us on these things as we work through them, and, and let's work through them as brothers and sisters in Christ. But Acts 1, 6 or 8, it's talking, Acts is talking about the church of, uh, of, of that we should be. Acts is the example of the church that, that all churches should be. And we're going to just start kind of going through that. I don't know how long we'll be in the book of Acts, but today I wanted to start out again with Acts 1, 6 through 8. And, and, and this is what Jesus spoke to the church, the early church and disciples. He said, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time, I timed out, we timed back in, at this time restore the kingdom of Israel. He said to them, It is not for you to know this times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, we thank you for this word today. Lord, we thank you for the three nuggets that's in here, Lord, that you're going to talk to us about today. Father, I ask that we instill them in our life, that we plant them in our life, Lord, that we produce these things in our life. And Father, we just give you glory in advance for your presence that's here, your presence that's already moved through the praise, your presence that's going to bring healing, your presence that's going to bring deliverance, your presence that, that's going to set us up higher, even closer to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's three things in this passage that, that I'd like to, I think Jesus addressed, so I'd like to address. And the first one was to look forward to, but not waiting around, not hiding, if you will, like the disciples were, were eventually kind of, they're not sure of their place and they're trying to find their place, but for Christ to restore the kingdom. We see in the scripture here, and guys, for Christ to restore the kingdom, which means he would have to come back. Christ is going to come back and get us and restore his kingdom, and his disciples, they're more concerned about that than they are anything else at this point. And Jesus, I think, very humbly, very gently says to him, Hey, guys, you know, that's awesome. You need to focus on the kingdom of God as far as eternity. You need to, to think about that. You need to long to be with Jesus. As we were singing this song today or listening to this memorial service, that song's powerful. Man, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to sit with him on green pastures. I long for that. But Jesus said that's not our main focus. Our main focus is, is, is the, the next two things we're going to move into, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and witnessing to others. That's what we need to be focusing on right now. 
And that's what Jesus was trying to say to these disciples that, hey, these things will come. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. But let's focus in on these other things at this point. And that's what he moves into. He moves into the witness. He says to them uh, to be witnesses in all Judea, Jerusalem, excuse me, in all Judea and all the ends of the earth. And if you look up witnesses, it means someone who witnesses Christ and radically lives out that witness. That's what Jesus wants from us is that somebody would radically live out a life for Him and focus on Him and be telling others about Him. This was so important to Jesus that He said you need to be witnesses at Jerusalem, which is your home. Uh, I believe your, your family, your wife, your children, your grandma, your grandpa, just your, your siblings, however you want to say that, but your home is also your workplace. The people you hang out with, the people that you're around, you need to be a witness to them. You need to be thinking about the things of God to them. You need to be radically on fire for Jesus and telling them about Him. And then your church. And as I said today, and Jim hit it earlier, that, that witnessing isn't just to the lost, it's to the saved. There's, there's people today in this building that need their life fixed that are Christians. They need a brother and sister to come alongside of them, and we need to be witnesses to them. The word goes on to say that we need to be witnesses in, in Judah and Samaria, which was that surrounding area, that, that place that, that would be like Carthage, that would be like Golden City, that would be like Kansas City, that, that same country they lived in, but somebody that was close around them. We need to be radical witnesses for Jesus Christ in those areas as well. And then he said into the world, we need to be radical witnesses to the world. And at this point, I'd say our Albanian team's probably landing in Albania as we speak. I texted Kelly just a second ago to see if she had hit Wi-Fi yet, hadn't heard anything back. But I'm assuming they're probably landing, hitting the ground there. They're going to radically witness the things of God in Albania. We've radically witnessed the things of God in Liberia, Africa, Mozambique, Burma, and Israel. That's the ones that we're focusing on as a body. But Jesus wanted us to go into the world and radically witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we are building a kingdom now. And that's what Jesus wanted the people to understand, that, that, that we're building right now that kingdom. People you're leading to Jesus Christ is that kingdom. The Word talks to us that, that, that we're not going to be able to take anything to heaven but us. We're not going to be able to take anything to heaven but our, our spouses or our brothers or our sisters or our children or all these people that we win to Christ. That's what the kingdom is. It's people. It's people out in America. It's people out across the area. It's people, and that's the kingdom of God that we need to be focusing on. As we sing today, we sing an old hymn today, but many times we recite the Lord's Prayer, and we say, Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the kingdom is God's reign and rule. We want God's reign and rule to be not only in our lives and us focusing on God's will for our lives, but witnessing that to others. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. This witness challenge that I heard about today, that was blessed to, that was confirmation again because I believe that we need to be about witnessing. I think that if we did these three things that I'm talking about today, it would fix everything that we're struggling with. But as I heard today, 
the witness challenge. And then Jim challenged you to witness to somebody next week. We need to remember that Jesus challenged us. We need to remember that Jesus not only challenged us to tell others, he commanded us to. He said, if you don't do anything else, you witness. If you don't even work the rest of your life, you witness. If you don't marry anybody, you witness. If you don't have children, you witness. Witnessing was the most important thing to him because it's building the kingdom of God, people that don't know him. So many times we think we've got to be all so perfect at it. But I'll tell you about some witness examples I had this last week, and I wasn't planning on doing it, but it fit in this morning, so I did it this morning. I'm going to do it now. But where I went in, in Orange County, Alabama, to avoid the Christmas or Christmas the birthday celebration, to avoid you guys remembering that I'm 49 and staying there, uh, I went to Orange Beach. And to be honest with you guys, there wasn't much presence of God there. The more I'm out of the country, the more I realize there's not much of a presence of God. And it scares me if you all know the truth. Well, your witness can be simply praying over your food. Uh, normally when I go out of the country, if I pray over my food, almost every time somebody comments on it. Are you a Christian? Do you know Christ? Well, to be honest with you, this last trip, not one person commented on us praying. And we prayed every meal. In public, it didn't matter where we was at. That's just what we do. That's your witness. But I was very disappointed that nobody even noticed that. Got to hear a testimony last night of these two that prayed and witnessed by saying a prayer over their food and how it ministered to the person that they were uh, working or they were eating at. I said working. We were working for the kingdom of God. But the place they were eating at, the lady saw them pray that was waiting on them, said, I'm looking for a church. Apparently you go to a good church. I want to know where that's at. That's a witness. We need to be witnesses into all the world. See, you wish you wouldn't have shared that with me last night. Was it okay for me to share that or not? Is that all right? <laughs> but another one that, that happened to me, I, I'm this big, cool guy, you know. And I walked out of the condo, and, and I'm begging to see some godly things going on. And this guy walks by, and his shirt says, work hard and pray harder. And i like, praise God. I said, hey, I like your shirt. And the guy kind of goes like this, like Jason did what I did with this crazy nuts coming up here. And, and I, I looked again at him. I could tell something was up. And I go, are you a preacher? And he jumped back even further. And, and, and I thought, oh, boy, I messed up. And so I looked again. And it was armor all or whatever that is. Armor, what's that called? Under armor, armor, armor all that you clean your cars with. But, but <laughs> under armor is what it was. And I thought, oh, no, but everybody said I was crazy, but there is a Christian shirt that says what I said. And I realized what I'd done, and I go, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that said pray harder. And this guy took it back even further. He goes, well, I'm an accountant, and I do a lot of Christians' taxes. <laughs> it made him think about God, didn't it? And, and, and even as silly as I was, and as, you know, I made, I mean, in everybody's eyes, my kids, were, they were hiding by then. They were embarrassed. Karen was like doing this, you know. But, but, but God still uses it. And he just asks us to be a witness. And if your heart's right, it's like that guy. He's going he's gonna to be okay with it. Another one was, was a girl took us down to the oasis all the time. And, and she would uh, drive us down. So I'm quizzing her all week and, and working it up and working it up. And found out she was a Catholic gal and and all these things, but I, I don't care where she goes to church if you don't know the truth. I want her to know she's saved. 
And so I was trying to build into that, and, and, and we're driving down there, and I, I finally said, uh, do you guys have Wednesday night services? Because it was Wednesday. And she said, well, yes, we do, which surprised me. And I said, well, praise God, what time are they are? And she told me all that stuff. And I go, I'd like to check it out, but do you guys believe in Christ? And I was like, what did I just say? <laughs> when I was wanting to say, do you believe in Jesus? And, of course, my wife was, kid, what did you just say? And the girl cracks up laughing, and she goes, yeah, we believe in Jesus. And that's all I was after, but, but she's seen my heart and looked past my ignorance, you see. And so we just need to be a witness where God tells us to be a witness, and, and he's equipped you to do what he need, you need to do. But, but we need to be witnesses, somebody radically on fire for Jesus Christ and, and, and in love with Jesus Christ. And when you are... Christ will take care. I could tell you so many dumb things I've done in ministry. Oh, I could tell you some dumb things my little brother's done and what I will. <laughs> I forgot about it till now. But, but Brian at Bible college, they pushed witnessing. Brian literally ran and jumped over a guy's fence that was mowing the lawn in his personal space, jumped his fence, went over by mowing his lawn and said, are you a Christian? If not, you're going to hell. And, and that was totally out of order, the way he did that. But it, but it worked out for him. And so we learn as we go through. We learn the process because of the third step that Jesus said. He said, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what we need to be remembering here today. We should not leave our homes until we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. We should not, when we get saved... We should immediately be pursuing the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's where a lot of us fall short, it, that, that we may be filled, but there's a time that we need to be refilled. Even the disciples prayed for infilling or refilling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4. We might get into sometime. But, but they even needed the place to be shaken again. They needed to be girded again. They needed to be fired up again, as Jim talked about earlier today. But we should not leave our homes unless we're under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As we look at the Scripture today, this was important to Jesus. And he was so important to Jesus that to being filled with the Holy Spirit that Mark 1.10 says that he was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit descended down upon Jesus like a dove. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of you spiritual people in here say, I only do what Jesus does. In other words, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you? Jesus was. Are you? Jesus was so important to him that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, do not leave home without it. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high, Luke 24, 49. I believe Christ was telling them, don't try to be a Christian. Don't try to be successful. Don't try to start your ministry without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do life without it because it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I'd even go to a step further that it's so important that you're filled with the Holy Spirit that if you're not obedient to it, then you're not going to fulfill all God wants you to fulfill in your life. Because God asks us to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit. Now, can I not be a teacher and be filled or, or not filled? Yeah, I'm sure you can. 
Can you not do lots of things and not be filled? I'm sure you can, but it won't be as easy and it won't be as spirit-led. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so important to Jesus that you and I were filled with the Holy Spirit that in Acts 2.38, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Jesus wants us to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. He wants us to come in on Sunday morning and to get teaching and go back out under that power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to continue to do what he's called us to do. Well, guess what today is? Keith, Keith, you just had to blow it, didn't you? How many else would have known that if you wouldn't have told them? You don't think, I don't think they'd have known, do you? I don't think so. See, you guys didn't know, did you? How many knew it was Pentecost Sunday? About half of you did. It's Memorial Weekend, and we've honored the, those that have gone before us. But, but today we're also honoring Pentecost. And Pentecost is basically 50 days after Christ was put on the cross, 10 days after his ascension, that he gave you the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. All these things he told the disciples to wait on, that's what Pentecost was, a day that it was fulfilled. And we're going to read about it in Acts 2, 1 through 4, if you want to turn to that. But Acts 2, 1 through 4 talks about the day that gift was given to you and me. And it tells you how the disciples got to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to them. So Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from the heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Some say that that was so loud it was like jet engines going off. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, a lot of people don't like that part. But do you realize those speaking in other tongues, people heard the gospel witnessed in their own language? Do you realize that? I bet you if you go over and you read old Philip when he witnessed to the Ethiopian eunuch that was going back home, he heard the message in his own language. He was moved and Peter, or excuse me, Philip was able to lead him to the Lord. So as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see how important the whole package of the Holy Spirit is, that the whole package is important. But today across the nation, churches are celebrating the presence, the power, the peace, the authority of the mighty Holy Spirit that was given to the church. We ought to be rejoicing right now. Are you excited about the Holy Spirit today? Let's give the Lord praise for sending Him. Let's give the Lord honor for sending the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of us today need things fixed, and we can get them fixed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we do these three things that we talked about here today, it would change half our lives around in here, and we wouldn't have any trouble. Because you see, the book of Acts is an example of the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. And we're just going to look today at a few things, that, a few miracles in the disciples' life. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us in, in, uh, in uh, John 14, 12, that you'll do even more in my name because I've gone to be with the Father. So we see here the disciples bringing that fulfillment. I want you to think about today all the things that Jesus did. All the miracles, all the healings, all the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the witnessing, all the people that came to him. Just kind of get in your head all those things. Well, the disciples 
moved out in each and every one of those things. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they went out, and the first thing Peter did and John did was they cured the blind man in Acts 3.9. Guy had been, been, excuse me, the lame man in 3.9. This guy had been, been stove up and, and crippled for 40 years. You read about that as you go through Acts. It'll tell you more about him. So they healed a man that, that, that needed healing. Uh, the death of Ananias and Sapphira, man, the Lord dumped the message about that on me because I never really understood that in Acts 5. Why did God take these people out? Well, they lied to the Holy Spirit, and, and that's why. And, and we're going to talk about that someday. And so it's a powerful testimony there. Uh, Saul's sight was restored in Acts 9.17. The healing of Ananias in Acts 9.33 the raising of Dorcas, who died. That's not my mom. That's her name's Doors. But in Acts 9:36, but but uh, this other guy, E L Y Miss Eli Miss. I don't know how you pronounce it. Was blind and blinded because of the situation in, in Acts 13:8. The lame man was cured in Acts 14. The demons cast out of the girl in Acts 16. The raising of Eutychus in Acts 20. Uh, Paul, unharmed harmed by the viper when the, the, the poison of the snake bit him in 28 of Acts. And the healing of uh, Publius, I'm not pronouncing that right. Father, you read about that in Acts 28, that's huge. And that's just a few things there that, that took place, that power and authority that was of the Holy Spirit. But see, miracles are good for one reason, is it's, miracles are for the unbeliever, if you'll know the truth. And the unbeliever sees a miracle, they're like, what's going on here? And then you witness the message of Jesus Christ, and, and, and they're saved, and they're, they're moved, and they're touched, and their lives are changed. So we see that, that this, this great miracles took place, but in the witnessing aspect, we saw over 3,000 saved probably had to do with the sermon that Peter preached, but you can't tell me the healing of the lame man didn't affect that. They saw the power and authority there in Acts 3. So we see that, that 3,000 were saved, 5,000 were saved, and again, that was just counting men, so that's hundreds of thousands of people that were saved, and, 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 and it just goes on and on. Thousands and thousands of people were witnessed to and changed. You see, we're trying to change our own lives. We're trying to change the world. You know, I hear that, Pastor, you need to go out and rally for this, and you need to go out and rally for that. Pastor, you need to do this. 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 You know what the Lord told me? He said, you need to be witnesses, and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and everything else will work out. Because that's what the disciples did. See, we don't realize that the disciples were under the Roman occupation, or we may realize that, but, but they were killed for accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The early church were killed, and they were running and hiding. And, and I don't think they were necessarily hiding all the time, but they're running for their lives a lot of times because of believing in Jesus Christ. you realize that you are unpatriotic? That you betrayed your nation and your country if you're a Christian? Think about that. The word went out to the Jews first. So when the Jewish people saw people accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're like, what's wrong with you, Teresa? You're a Jew. You've been a Jew all your life, and now you're telling me you're not a Jew no more? You're not even patriotic. Get out of here. You ever think about that? 
Some of us are going to accuse, some people are going to accuse us for not being American because of what we stand for. Because America may go a different direction. And we may be called unpatriotic at one time because we're following Jesus. Who knows? But they stayed under the witnessing and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they kept doing what God called them to do. They kept living and doing what God told them to do. So when Jesus was crucified, Jerusalem was... I'm going to read this little clip from uh, Robert Gerard. But he said, when Jesus was crucified, Jerusalem was captive to Rome. And the most radical revolution began. The army of God, the church began. The revolution began with a hundred of the of most... Or hardly, excuse me, sorry, I'll get excited here. I've got to slow down. The revolution began with a handful of mostly fishermen and women in Jerusalem. In less than 300 years, I want you guys to get this, because this is the point. In less than 300 years, this uprising brought mighty Roman Empire officially to its knees before the crucified Galilean, Jesus of Nazareth. This revolution was not driven by hate or political ambition, but by love and belief that its hero and commanding officer had given his life for their freedom risen from the dead, and now directed the revolution from the heavenly throne room of God. What that's saying is, is we want God to fix things. We want God to fix our lives. We want God to fix our nation. We want God to fix all these things. Look forward to His coming, but don't sit on your hands and not do nothing until He comes. Second thing is you need to be witnessing if you witness and tell others about Jesus Christ, the third thing under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, it changed a nation in 300 years. They went from being persecuted and slaves by the Roman Empire in 300 years by the Word of God and the power of God. So many people got saved. The Roman Empire fell. We just need the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives. And it will change our life. Again, why this day is so important. Billy Graham, again, basing it off of John 14, 12, that we'll do more in Christ's name because he's gone to be the Father, said if you believe in Jesus Christ, a power is available to you that can change your life. Even in such an intimate areas of your marriage, your family relationship, and every other relationship. Also, God offers power that can change a tired church into a vital growing body, power that can revitalize the Christian kingdom. I've got an article that's on my Facebook, and I want you guys to go read it. It's probably down a ways because so many people's posted on there since then, but, but it's in Charisma, if you get the Charisma magazine, but John Burton wrote it. But he said, five goals of a spirit-led church. And he actually believes this is where the... the the spirit-filled church, the, the church that does these three things, this is where they're headed. And today I'm not going to get into great, great detail. I want you to go read them. But he said services will become like prayer meetings. We need to be focused on prayer here today. Now, we skipped the altar teams today because I wanted to allow time at the end for prayer. But we need to be a people of prayer. Jesus even said, you will be a house of prayer. And in his article, he'll comment that the church has gotten too focused on, on all these things, these necessities they think they've got to have, lighting and sound and, and all these things. They've gotten so focused on them, 
that they're missing the true meaning that, 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 yeah, we need a good worship team, but we need to have fervent prayer. Yeah, we need to have good preaching, but we need to have fervent prayer. And I think that is key. I think it is important as your pastor. I wouldn't be telling you these things today. The second thing is personal need will give way to personal mission. And guys, we got to get past being a hospital for all of us in here. Not saying that there's not a time that we need each other. Man, I've ministered to people today that needed a touch on their life. But we need to help each other get over the hump so that we can be, uh, as he says, mash units that go out into the community and bring people into Christ and help restore them back to Christ. We need to become not so in-focused but mission-focused. Focused on what God's called us to do and not what we want to do. Teaching will be minimized, minimized while instruction is emphasized. And what he's talking about here is that, that we get so much caught up into to meeting our own personal needs from the pulpit that we need pastors that are apostolics, so let's back on me, that come in and get a word from the Lord and come out to you and say, Church, we need to do this. Let's fast and pray about it for a week. Now let's go do it. And that's what we need to be about. And that's what I'm going to try to focus in more on is that the things that God wants us to be about, speaking towards that, and then going out and getting something done. The fourth thing that I believe is in there that we need to be looking at is we will gather together most days of the week. And we do it because there's such a move of the Spirit on Sundays, and we're seeing people's lives change and hearts change to the point we're wanting more of it. And we're going to come out on Monday nights, and to be honest with you, there's already some people in here that have keys to the church. They come out and pray all the time. I almost say that we got somebody in here praying almost every day. Well, I believe it should be 24-7. I believe, and this guy said in his article, that we will be so tuned into the Lord that we're going to be tithing our time to come out and pray, which means we're going to have to bust up our schedules a little bit because everyone in this room is too stinking busy. We're too busy for the Lord. And I shouldn't say everybody, but I know I am. And we've got to start freeing time up for the Lord for these things to take place. We've got to allow the Lord to use us. We have prayer meetings here on Wednesday night that you could be a part of. We've got prayer meetings going on different times that you can be a part of. But you can come out here at any time you want. If you don't have a key, ask for one. We'll give you one. But the last thing is worship will be supernaturally driven. Our worship teams will practice less and pray in the Spirit with tears in their eyes more and more. And they're doing that. Man, we had awesome praise today. But as we give in to the Lord in prayer and that praise leads us in further to God, it's going to move and touch our lives. But I really challenge you to go read that article or that magazine that the hard copy, I think we usually have some out there. But the apostolic word that God has given me now for Oakton is that we are waiting in to the Holy Spirit, but it's time to dive in to the Holy Spirit. It's time to dive into witnessing. It's time to radically move out in the power and authority that the Holy Spirit, that power and authority, that fire, that he's given us. And the Lord showed me this before I read the article, before um, um, Connie uh, Forster gave me a book to read that confirmed it, before somebody else gave me another book to read that confirmed it. But, but I was, I 
again, just went to Orange Beach. And, and, and guys, I'd never been around. I'd never touched the ocean until I was 40 years old. You guys know that? And I was the Adriatic Sea. And I touched the Adriatic Sea and over in Albania, but I, I never really got out into it. And it was cold or whatever that day, but I, that's the first time I experienced the Adriatic Sea. And then after that, I went to Galveston and, and, and was in the Gulf. And to be honest with you, it was so nasty. I didn't want to get in. And, and I've been there a couple times. I've been to the North Sea off of Amsterdam. And, and it was freezing cold that day, but I went ahead and stripped down, but I kind of waited out in it, but I got out of it pretty quick, you know. And, and then I, I, I've been over to uh, uh, the Caribbean. Now, I did get out and swim in the Caribbean, but it was real calm, and, and it was kind of a safe place. And, and I went, and then after that, I, where did I go after that? Uh, I don't know where I went. It must have been Orange Beach. But, but I'll never forget going out to the ocean that day and, and we go up to the big old white beach, and I get out of the car, and, and, and we put our stuff up, and all four of us take off running, and we're running towards the ocean. Oh, the Atlantic's was the one I forgot. The Atlantic was so rough in, in Liberia that Debbie Little got out of the car, and the security guard said, get back in. They wouldn't even let us out of the car at the Atlantic because the waves were so rough. But anyhow, so I'm wanting to get into this ocean. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of playing around. So we take off running, and I'm a-chucking, and we're moving, and first wave, boom, that's on my back. That thing, them things were powerful. Man, every time I'd walk out there, take your feet out from underneath you. You had to time it to get out of there. You wanted to be above your knees before the next wave come in, or you'd be on your back again. And so you'd run out there, and you'd get past that level, and then you'd go to the next level, then it'd hit you there, and you'd go back. You had to learn to dive to the next level. So the first level, you run out to get over it. The second level, you dove under it, and then you was out to sea. And it was wonderful. And matter that power, the, the, the peace, the beauty that I experienced there, I was even on the beach one time, and I laid down, and the waters were just taking me back and forth like this, kind of like sandpaper, and it started burning. So then I tried to get up, and I couldn't get up, and I looked up, and Joshua was filming me the whole time. It looked like a beach <laughs> whale. It was like a big old whale out there. Ooh. But, but, but I was just having a good old time. Another time I swam out to the deep, and, man, I get out there and I get past all the waves. Next thing I know, I'm swimming back, but I can't get back in. And, and I'd trained Coast Guard 30 years ago and passed that test and thought, well, I've got my Coast Guard. I'll be all right, you know. But it was 30 years ago. And, and anyway, I start swimming back in. I couldn't get in. And, and so I thought, well, I'm trying to swim straight. They said to go 45. And so I turned to the 45, and I, I couldn't get back in. And I thought, what else do I do? And I thought, well, I'll swim almost 50 degrees, 60 degrees. And finally, I swam out of that, but I was a wore-out puppy, and then the waves took me in. Went up to the lifeguard and said, now I had school on this. I had training on it. I fasted 30 years ago. What's the deal? And he told me, and I did everything that I, I was told to do. But he spoke to me, and the reason I'm sharing this first service, I think the Lord gave it to me afterwards, and I want to share it now. But, but he said to me, you know, you tried this, you tried that. He said, just stop and just rest. And he said, it will blow by and just wait a little bit, and then the waves will carry you in. And I'd never been trained that way. He said, boy, if it doesn't, just start waving your arms like this, and we'll come get you. But I never knew that you could wait and it would pass, and then, the, then you could go in. They'd ever trained us that way. 
And so what the Lord's telling us today is we need to step out. And I gave you lots of reasons. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's, it's, it's this or that or whatever. And we just need to quit making excuses and step out into these three things as God called us to do. And, and I'm not saying we're not. I think we're wading in, but we need to dive in. And we need to be consumed. And I promise you, when you do these things, it'll change your life. I didn't want to go back. I wanted to stay out the ocean all the time. We found another place that, that kind of had a, a little break to where it broke the waves up, and I just didn't have as much fun. I wanted to be in the ocean from then on because it was that much fun. I had a blast picking up seashells, and I'm gonna, I've got a sermon I'm going to preach on that. But, but, but working the seashells and experiencing the power of God was just wonderful. I didn't want to go back. Lazy River at the Oasis didn't cut it anymore. Yeah, but when Keith and we dive in, the Lazy River's not going to cut it for us no more because we're wanting more and more and more of God. But see, a lot of us, we think that we've got to do all these things. I only had three points, and I, and I thought I was going to talk 20 minutes, and here it is, too long. But, but we always think that we don't have what it takes. And the Lord showed me this, and that's why I'm going to be faithful to him. But, but, but this is a picture of me when I worked at Freeman. And you can all laugh when you get your laughing done. You can, you can uh, uh, listen to the point. But would you quit? You're like, one last good, but not, ha-ha, <laughs> That doesn't cut it, okay? That should do it even more. Land and separate a little further away. But, but at Freeman, I won the beautification award, or Freeman won the beautification award twice. Uh, guys, I never had a horticulture training. I, I never had landscaping school until after I was hired. Now, I've been to horticulture school, I've been to landscaping school, I've been to all that stuff since then, but when this beautification award came the first time, I didn't have any certification. You don't have to have certification to witness and be filled with the Spirit. You just need to step out. So if that's an excuse today that I am not good enough, you're wrong. Well, a lot of us said, well, I don't have the materials, I'm not equipped. Guys, I'm driving a John Deere 650, Brush hog on a manicured lawn. You know what we run now? We run grasshoppers. These weren't made for manicured lawns. But it got the job done and we got a beautification award. Do you realize that to keep from making tracks, I drove in reverse to mow the lawn? Now tell me if that isn't hard to mow the lawn in reverse. And think of all the persecution I got from people driving by. Look at that idiot mowing the lawn in reverse. And the reason I was doing it is because it was flattening the grass down. It wasn't cutting it nice when I drove the tractor over it first. But we made do with what we had, and we mowed the lawn. The other thing is, is we took time out to care for the lawn. We mowed it at least once a week, no matter what. A lot of us think we mowed the lawn every 10 days. That's a, we ought to get the beautification award. Do you realize I mowed it every four days sometimes? But I mowed it as needed. Think about this in your spiritual life. We fertilize early spring application, late spring application, summer application, fall application. Fertilize four times a year, it took some money. 
First it was by hand, and as we grew and learned, it became chemical, and then through the irrigation system. But we grew. We grew. And I can go on and on and on and on. Uh, Brock's little deal he had the other day, Bert, he said it in a nutshell, don't mow your grass less than three inches. Boom. That solves half your problems right there. Gosh, I got more amens over that than anything I've said today. <laughs> Praise team, come up. <laughs> we have no excuses. We can be what God's called us to be. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the right gadget, gadgets and equipment. I think sometimes we forget about it's going to take a little bit of hard work. I think we don't realize that, yeah, we're going to get some, we're going to get some fungus on the grass. I used to go out with a white piece of paper and pull the grass and lay it on there so that you could see the fungus because it's usually black dots and you can see it better behind paper or shake a, a bush. If you see little black dots, you got something going on. You don't have to know what it is. You just know you got something going on. But those little things that, that we used to do, I don't think we do anymore, and thus we're not as successful as we used to be. Now, I'm talking about landscaping there, but I think it's that way. In our, I think we've been spoiled sometimes. We've had it so good that we forgot about what got us there. And what got us there is being filled with the Holy Spirit witnessing and wanting Christ to come back but not getting focused in on that and nothing else. Do those three things, we're going to have the tent revivals that we want to have. We're going to have the children's churches we want to have. We're going to have the, the youth groups, all these things that we dream about. But we've got to be faithful in these things. A lot of us need to have things fixed in our life. Go to the Holy Spirit. Go to God. And just do these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We're doing these things. We're working in these things. But let's dive into them. Let's get out in the deep water with the Lord and let him be in control. The altars are open. I don't, I'm not getting direction now, so the altars are open. And, and, and if you need to come to them, I'd, I'd challenge you to do that. If you're not saved today, you need to accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Again, the most important thing, if you're not water baptized and you're a Christian, you need to do that. That's an act of obedience if you haven't done that. And then if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the altar call today. But sometimes we need to be renewed. And sometimes we just need to be witness too. I, I firmly believe there's people in here hurting today that need the touch of God on their life. And I want you to come to these altars so that we can pray with you, so that brothers and sisters can stand with you today. Um, can we do that today? Pat, can I pick on you? She needs a job. She's tired. 
He's tired of the inconsistencies. And the Lord told me to do this last night, and I've been beating around the bush, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. But, but she needs a job. And she needs, she's faithful and they're witnessing. She's been filled with the Spirit. She needs brothers and sisters to come around her and agree with her for a job. Would you do that? Could you come up and let them pray for you today? Could you do that? Um, Peg, could you oversee that prayer with, with her? And, and pray, you can go ahead and play. Um, but there's others that have a need in their life. Come to these altars and let brothers and sisters stand with you.